We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm Steve Furetch, joined always by Dusty Evely, Sarah Kelher. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Man, reading about Packers practice. Wish I was there. Sounds sounds amazing. Yeah, the coverage from our team and from Chisa TV so far has been awesome. And mm-hmm. for people like us that are not there and don't have the opportunity to be there, it's amazing to see the coverage that we have. And it's really, really exciting, too. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, normally I would say the play-by-play of training camp is not super fun. But I don't know. I, I've, I've had a really good time this year just, like, reading all this stuff. And I think it's, you know, new offense. Yeah. All this kind of new stuff that we haven't seen, all these wrinkles. Uh, and we'll actually jump into that a little bit later with, you know, fullbacks and spread offenses and all this kind of stuff. That uh, it's kind of it's, – it's really interesting to see how it all goes and see how the, the Matt LaFleur era begins in Green Bay. Yeah, it's super exciting, too, because I think the past few years, it's kind of been like, oh, same old, same old. We know what's going to happen, how it's going to go. And this year, it's like everything is new. There's new things going on, and it's just really exciting. And I love reading about it and seeing videos, and it's just been really, really cool to see all the new stuff that's been going on. Yeah, I mean, last year, I think Dusty and I even I – we're, I don't even know if we were talking about it, but I remember discussing the music that was played. And we, can't, we ended up talking about like the songs that should have been played during training. Like it was ridiculous. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it's a lot more fun to talk about actual football content now. So 
And then on that note, the Packers actually made a move today, and they have claimed Marcus Jones off waivers from the Ravens. He was an undrafted free agent. And for their corresponding move, have released uh, cornerback Javian Hamilton, who uh, was waived with an injured hamstring. So we've got a new defensive end slash linebacker to throw in that room, kind of see if he sticks. But everything I've slightly read about him since he we found this out, and looks like somebody who's pretty talented. I mean, he was a D2 player, but two years in a row, one player of the year. Yeah, and he had just his last season as well. Um 15 sacks and 36 and a half tackles for loss. That's um, from uh, Ben Fennel over at the athletic uh, that had those stats, which is, uh, you know, D two, but still like, that's really good season. So the best of D two, you're probably a a pretty good D one player. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, like you said, like it's kind of a, see if something shakes. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Kind of a, a back of the rotation guy. But, but this is kind of this is kind of who we talked what you've talked about a lot. I know Steve, one of your points of emphasis has been uh the roster building of Gutekunst. It's not he's not sitting still. He's not doing stuff. He saw a guy get released. Maybe there's something to that guy. Maybe there's not, but kind of this uh, constant churn at the bottom of the uh roster is something that we're not overly used to. So it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah, and I think I mean, kind of seconding what you guys already said but i think it's great to just have different guys in there you never know who's going to challenge who who's going to step up and surprise you so to to have that kind of suspense factor in there i think just brings more more of a competitive nature to the table and you know players are able to compete they're not maybe seeing the same players that they're used to all the time so it's just really it's different but i kind of like it keeping on the defensive side of the ball um our first, second first-round draft pick, Savage, was back on the field today. He got put in right away with the ones. So, I mean, he's sitting back there with uh, Adrian Amos, Raven Green, who had been in that spot, got moved into that hybrid linebacker, and Josh Jones, who's still on the team apparently, uh, got <laughs> moved over uh, to the sidelines. So that's how they started with the ones. I mean, they all kind of moved around a little bit because they're easing Savage back in, but uh, I mean, it's, it's exciting that they're, they're not, they're not messing around. I mean, normally even in the Mike McCarthy era, they would have first round draft picks that would start with the threes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it just, no, this is our, you know, this is their guy. This is who they wanted. They went up and got him and he started, which I love. Yeah. You, I mean, like you said, they traded up for him. Then we know, we know why Savage is drafted. We talked about this before and that like, I think a lot of the Packers draft this past year was for looking forward, looking a year or two down the line, looking at um, guys who are like going to leave those replacements. But Savage was like day one starter. Um, you could clearly see that. And so to see him out there, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Sounds like he was limited, um, which you would expect. You know, he's, he's, this is his first practice. Um, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things, you get those injury reports. And this one says it's Darnell Savage uh, Jr. teeth. <laughs> that it can normally you see like knee hamstring this is teeth uh, his teeth were bothering him now he's back in so that uh that killed me but yeah it's exciting exciting to have him out there yeah it's really cool to kind of with the packers draft picks kind of shifting back to last year i think we saw with alexander as well 
there was just so much excitement around him coming in early and making an impact right away. And I, as a fan, loved watching that. It was super exciting to see a guy like him get in there, make a difference, make plays. And I think the same thing's kind of happening now for Savage this year. He's a guy that has been praised by a lot of his teammates, and now he's going to come in and looks like make an impact right away. So I love seeing that. I love new players that can come in and make an impact right away, straight from college. And I think it's really important. And it's something that we're going to start seeing each year in the draft as well. Packers injury report came out for the day. Actually, it's kind of funny. So I was a little shocked because Ryan Wood put this out and it said nine Packers out. And the first thing I saw, I didn't look closely and it said nine. Pa- I thought it said nine Packers cut. I was like, wow, that's uh, that's a bit early for that, but okay. And then the first name on there was Mason Crosby. I'm like, wow, that is bold. But it's uh, just the injured list, guys. So everybody relax. They didn't cut all these guys. But, I mean, it's more than you'd want right away in the beginning of training camp. You've got yeah. Mason Crosby uh, with a calf, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones with hamstrings, Josh, Josh Jackson with a foot, uh, Javian Hamilton with the hamstring, and, he, and then he got cut. Kendall Donerson, Greg Roberts, Jason Spriggs for the old Brown, and then Darnell Savage with the teeth return. With the teeth. Teeth. <laughs> I mean, I, teeth, I know it's teeth, always. Teeth. <laughs> Lady uh, Gaga? No. Oh. You guys don't listen to Lady Gaga's teeth? No. Mm. Yeah. That's Are you a monster or whatever uh, she calls your fans? I'm, I'm not, but I, I am a fairly big Lady Gaga fan. so I respect it. She's got some bops. She does oh, have some bops, Sarah. That's correct. Out on the golf course, the uh, one of the, the the best playlists I had going was the uh, Spotify '90s pop like uh, boy band music. That was good. Had some jams coming out of there, and then it kind of mixed in with the 2000s, and there was there was some Gaga on it. So all right. it was working. All right, was so working. we're all on the same page here. All yeah, on the same page. That's sure. exciting. All right. Any of these injuries stand out to you guys? Like, is there anything? I mean, it's still training camp, but is it something that worries you? For me, the only like the only thing I really saw, the only thing I saw additional explanation on was Aaron Jones that mm-hmm. said they're just being cautious. So I would imagine if this was uh, game week, it's probably like maybe a little tightness. He probably plays through it, maybe sits for a bit. Um, the other ones, I don't know. It is concerning to see that many guys, but what I will say is that it um, no no one's been seriously injured yet. There's been no broken bones. There's been no blown knees, which we've seen already. So the, like that that's good, but it's I mean. This really in practice. You, be knocking on wood. I th- thought that was your daughter. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's it's less than ideal. I'll say it's less than ideal, but none of it seems overly serious, as near as I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what more I can really say about that. Um, with Aaron Jones, that was the one that my eyebrows really raised for a second. Like, whoa, what happened? Because it kind of, I wasn't. I mean, I'd heard a little bit. He had gone down and grabbed his leg or something from the other day. But it seems like, like you said, Dusty, that that's kind of just to be safe. And then right now, the injuries that are occurring are minor. Again, knock on wood. So nothing seems too crazy right now. Hopefully it stays that way through preseason and then into the season as well. We'll move on. Uh, Josh Jones made the made the news all over the Twitter world today because Matt LaFleur started flexing his muscles a little bit and kicked him out of practice. After he kind of had was they they called it a scuffle. We kind of I don't know. It seems to be overplayed a little bit. But he tackled Trey Carson to the ground. Uh, after we, from what we found out, Trey Carson kind of had gone after Tony Brown. Is that right, Dusty? Uh, yeah, 
Okay. So they, you know, standing up for his teammate and then gets kicked out of practice. <laughs> but I kind of, I think you look at it as LaFleur, like even commented in his press conference, you know, it was a little bit hard for him to see all the, the entire play from where he was at. So from what he saw, it was just Josh Jones going after him. And he doesn't want that in his practice. And I was, you know, he's just putting it out there. This is the kind of camp I want to run. This is the one team I want to have. And we're not going to be getting into fights with each other and things like that. So I kind of liked it. Like, I know he may have been technically wrong, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of cool with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's the, the, I think the interesting thing to me is that um, it wasn't that long ago that Josh Jones was saying he didn't want to be in Green Bay. He wanted to trade. It was this. I mean, Sarah, just last week, I think you said, like, he showed up to practice and you were like, I was legitimately, like, I think you said, if I remember correctly, uh, you were almost as shocked that Josh Jones showed up for practice as you were that the Packers dropped Mike Daniels. Like, yeah, that was that's... a level of surprise a week ago. And so now to see him out there, like, what it appears to be sticking up for teammates and kind of going after that shows kind of a passion and a fire that even if he doesn't want to be there, uh, he's still going to play. He's still going to play hard and he still has his teammates back. So, like it's not, and we kind of talked about this before. Like, I think I, I can see, uh, I can see Josh Jones's point and I kind of like that. And I can also, I also like LaFleur kind of taking a hard line. So it's, it's both, both sides. I kind of, I can see the points on both of them. Um, but the Jones stuff specifically, I was very, I don't know. It was kind of encouraging to see that he's not just going to be like very listless and like, I don't care. I don't even want to play here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Um, to kind of see him do that was, I thought kind of cool. Um, the one thing I will say is like every report I saw on it, there was a, it seemed a big emphasis on the fact that he was standing on the sideline with his arms crossed with his arms crossed as if it was some like silent defiance dude doesn't have pockets, man. If I don't have pockets, I also have like, you can do the move where you hold on to like the neck. Like as you always see these guys do, and the, I can't imagine doing that for a long period of time. So yeah, he's got his arms crossed, but he also doesn't have pockets. So like, and I, man, if I, he would have put if he would have put his hands behind his head, he would have been acting too nonchalantly. Yeah, um, that would have been talking about that, like he didn't care about the team. Yeah, it would have been read into negatively in some way. Yeah. I think he's a guy right now that when stuff like this happens, people's eyes are going to be on him. They're going to be quick to judge, quick to assume that he's acting a certain a certain way when in reality he probably isn't. And he was just standing there and he happened to have his arms crossed. Um, with the whole incident that happened, I do see both sides of it. I like that he was competitive and that they were getting fired up. But I also see the side that as a coach, you want to make sure everything's in check in your practices. So, And he's new coach, so he kind of want to set the, he wants to set the tone early. So I do understand that. But I do think that right now in his situation, people also could be quick to judge him in any little thing that he may yeah. or may not do. Well, that brings us to the worst part of the podcast. I, I have to digress. This is not this is not fun for me or anything like that. This is the part where we make Dusty look super, super smart because he knows so much about the playbook, and I freaking hate it, but whatever. I digress. He's going to look smarter than me and Sarah, but uh, he knows so much about this stuff that it, it just we, we have to talk about it. We have to pick his brain for it. So you tell us a little bit of what what you saw, what you've you've heard about the fullback usage because it seems like this is going to – from what we've read, what we've heard, this is going to be a lot bigger parts of their offense than we thought. 
Yeah, which we kind of, I mean, it was kind of thought, you know, once the floor kind of came over, Vitaly was here last year, and it was kind of a, uh, the way that, you know, Shanahan had used fullbacks and the way uh, LaFleur had kind of liked to use that and that whole coaching tree kind of liked to do that. Um, you kind of see, especially Vitaly's, um, his background, his, his kind of skill set as kind of more of a receiving guy. You know, a fullback in that he can block, but less a running threat and more of a passing threat. Uh, and we didn't really see much of that last year because it's Mike McCarthy and Mike Mike McCarthy, and it was a fullback. Uh, fullbacks do two things. They block, and they also use, like, one-yard dives. It's basically the two things that fullbacks do. Um, I had been, for the past few years, uh, pretty anti-fullback. It's not anti-fullback. I think I turned so much love for Kuhn in the twilight of Kuhn, and then also for Ripkowski, who did nothing except fumble in a big playoff game inside the five-yard line, that I kind of I turned against all the fullback love. Um and you never hear anyone talk about William Henderson. Talk about William Henderson because that dude was legitimately good. Oh, um, I, he, love, I love Big Willie. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we kind of assumed that Vitaly was going to do some. And then all the stories out of camp and practice have been every day there's been something about Vitaly, something about Vitaly. Um, and one thing really stuck out to me, I think this was from Nagler today. And he you just called him the muscle man instead? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super handsome, super handsome, and just a, just ripped. jacked, just absolutely Yeah, ripped. he is – massive yeah uh and so you get a guy like that who is who looks like a traditional fullback just a big stout brick wall of a man that can block uh but then you've got things like this uh nagler described uh this play as rogers sends vitaly out wide left i assume that's pre-snap hit and then uh rogers hits graham up the seam for a first down so i mean what you could do with a guy like vitaly and what we've seen you know uh shanahan do and what we're going to see this year is a lot of when you get when you have a guy and i talk i talk about this a ton when you have a guy like Vitaly who can legitimately block as a lead fullback or is also a threat enough that if you split him out, you have to account for him in the passing game, that unlocks a ton. The versatility in the offense is, is just insane because what you can do, by, again, I view a lot of offense through, uh, if you go no huddle, how does that package look? What can you do with the pieces you have there? And such a huge thing and why the Patriots were so successful under Gronkowski is if you've got the pieces in place where you can legitimately in one package go from power run to spread offense, you can just pick the mismatches. You can either just go and if you've got just smaller players on the field, then you just run down their throats. And then if you don't, if you've got like a whole bunch of big guys, then you just throw around them. And the Packers, especially in Vitaly, kind of have those pieces where they've got a guy who, when he's in there, legit threat as a blocking fullback, legit power rushing threat, except if you load up against the power run, they'll just spread you out. And they have the pieces to do that. Um, you know, between uh, Lewis and then, you know, say Tanyan to some extent and the receivers, they could go with a heavy look and still and still spread you out. Vitaly's a huge, huge part of that. So, I mean, being able to get, uh, say, a package of Vitaly, Jones, Tanyan, Adams, MVS out there is just like the things you can do with that is is remarkably insane. It's, that, that was all my hope heading into this season. Then seeing all this in practice that not only are they running this stuff. But it seems to be working. They have these ideas of what to do with Vitaly, and it is actually working like I like you kind of hoped it would. It's very, very exciting. So I've gone very quickly from anti-fullback to, holy crap, Danny Vitaly may legitimately be the key to unlocking what this offense, like the full power of this offense. Um, so yeah, really exciting to see all that because I've been dreaming on it for the past year. Bigger, bigger question. Are you now going to be getting a Vitaly jersey? Nah. No? Nah. There's a fullback, Steve. All this love you just praised upon the man. And, nah, he's a fullback. No, I got uh, my. 
I used to not buy jerseys of uh, current players because they leave and it breaks my heart. Um, I bought a Kenny Clark jersey in the offseason. So I figure they'll probably lock him up soon. He's going to be around for a while, and I love that man. So uh, I actually have a Jair Alexander one as well, but that's more because my son's name is Alexander. Um, But that's cool. Yeah. Have it like on. I got you. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I got you. But yeah, I don't know. I'm hyped about Vitaly whether or not I'm going to buy his jersey. Sarah, are you a jersey person? Um, it depends. I have a couple jerseys. I have a Rogers jersey. I have a Jordy Nelson jersey. Um, I oh, think you're that's a cigar girl, so that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, I feel like the Jordy the Jordy jerseys are a, a lot more female oriented than they are male. Yeah, so that was my first jer- like Packers jersey that I got, and. So when I tore my ACL in high school, I had like just come back to playing and be normal again. And then Jordy tore his ACL. So it was kind of like I was like closely following. And then after he came back and he like won comeback player of the year, then I got it because I was like, I have to do this now. (laughs) Like, so finally, but I have a lot of shirts that say like players names on the back. Jerseys. Yeah, because I'm like, they're just so expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive to get a jersey. And for me, like wearing something to class, I can't. It's easier to just wear like a t-shirt instead of a jersey if I yeah. go to class. What about yeah. you, Steve? You, you a jersey? Um, not as much anymore. They're, I mean, they're they're expensive. The only ones I ever get normally are the knockoff Chinese brand ones because I can't stomach paying $100 for a jersey that I'll wear like – 16 times a year well, yeah. hopefully longer than that hopefully more than 16 times in one year but um yeah i i, I can't remember the last one i've got though uh what's your like go-to like do you have one you wear like i've got you wear one, for game day i've got one that i that, that, that i wore i've got a rogers away jersey but it's so old it's a reebok one Oh, nice. That's, that's oh the one that I, was, I wore it when they won the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a, to me, it's a, if I really feel the Packers need to win, I have to throw that one on. I'm that, that weird superstitious guy. that I, And then I won't wear the same jersey two times in a row if they lose. Because <laughs> apparently the shirt that I'm wearing has something to do with the Packers winning or losing. I was going to uh-huh. laugh at you, but I legitimately had a two-year span where I was every time I wore Packers stuff on game day, they lost. And so I just didn't wear Packers stuff on game day for like two years. <laughs> that so, was legit. Mine was <laughs> – I have a bandana. Well, my dog has a bandana that he wears <laughs> when the Packers play. And so my dog lives with my parents back at home. So in high school, there's this one year where – if he did not have the bandana on, they would legitimately lose every single time. And so I remember I'd be away at soccer tournaments and I'd be with my mom or my dad and one of them would be home then with the dog. And I would legitimately text them and be like, Send me a picture of the dog. make sure that the dog is wearing the bandana. <laughs> because if I wasn't there to put the bandana on, then I didn't know if someone was going I to. I can't be the reason. I can't be the reason. Yeah, it literally, I was like, please, like, you have to put the bandana on. If you life. ever loved me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the thing. I It wasn't anything that I wore, but it was that my dog legitimately <laughs> had this bandana on. Oh, and, well, it's good to know I'm not the only crazy person. I like that. Uh, I assume <laughs> no, everyone. I'm very we're all about stuff like that. Yeah, I'm very superstitious with sports. 
and <laughs> pre-game rituals and all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, Leroy Butler came out mm. and tweeted, apparently he's a big fan of Kevin King. He is saying as long as he stays healthy, no one in the league has the combination of size and speed and that uh, he's going to be a pro bowler this year and yeah. that the Packers will have a top 10 defense. Some uh, bold comments coming out of uh, – actually, he's I think he's based out of Milwaukee right now on one of the sports stations. So uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, that's bold stuff for a guy who hasn't stayed healthy his entire career. Well, I've been hyping up Kevin King for a while. I'm like, as long as he can stay healthy, he is always one of the best guys that's on the field. His thing is just he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And when he has and when he's in the game, he's so, so good. So, yeah, I agree that if he can stay healthy, I think he can be that player that Butler is saying that he can be. Whether the Packers have a top 10 defense, we'll see. I hope that they have a top 10 defense. I know we talked about last week how this could really be the first time in a long time that Rodgers has had a much better defense and that he doesn't have to, him and the offense don't have to put up 30 points a game to win a game. So I would love to see the Packers have a top 10 defense that, you know, can help them win games and can help out Rodgers and the offense. But we'll see. I really, really hope, but I just don't know right now. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, and I think the big kicker there in Butler's thing is uh, if he- if he can stay healthy, because that's the question. I mean, Sarah's absolutely right. Like when he's when he's on the field, there's no denying his talent. There's no denying uh, what we've seen him do, uh, what he can do, and that's just. It seems like it's just scratching the surface. I mean, I watched that dude uh, run down Julio Jones on a drag route. Julio Jones running full speed on a drag route that Kevin King ran down and knocked the ball away. Like there's, there's not guys in the league that can do that. So yeah, if he's, if he can stay healthy game changer for the defense, absolutely insane. The question now is just, can he stay, can he stay healthy? I mean, sure. I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say they're going to be top five. So I, uh, I did too much hype last year. Cause I was like, this defense could be special this year. And then like everyone died. <laughs> and uh, and then the defense was terrible by the end of the year, and so I hesitate to get too hyped. But just yeah, looking at the pieces they have, looking at some of the young guys that you hope take a step first, and then also who they're bringing back, they could be really really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's exciting. It's really exciting. Like legit, I haven't when they drafted uh, Gary in the first round. That was kind of when I started as like, and they had made all those signs. I just kind of sat there. I was like, ooh. Now there's not one. There's like four dudes, and then you're thinking like Kenny Clark, you're thinking Lowry, um, all those guys, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, we can't focus on one of them. And then they grab, and you're thinking Jair, and then they grab Savage. You're like, oh my god, like this could be a defense that's legit, kind of feared, which I can't remember. I think the last time was a Super Bowl, and even then they were running through injuries as well. So what can and can do a lot with it. I think I saw this in the Football Outsiders Almanac, which. If you guys don't have the football outsiders almanac, that's one of my favorite offseason purchases. They run through so much. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember the numbers. But so much was made uh, last year in the playoffs. I think it was in the playoffs. It was the, the Chargers Ravens that the Chargers went with like six defensive backs on all but one snap or something. Uh, like just oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was this huge thing that like well they're, they're, they're flying to the ball. They can do this. They can do that. They can mix and match just because they had that. I mean that you know Derwin James who's a defensive back in name, but just an absolute demon 
everywhere. Um, but they, they, it's there's so much stuff they could do with that. I think the Packers did six defensive backs more than any other team last year, kind of out of necessity more than anything else. But the pieces they have, I mean, it's not just it's not just the defensive backs. It's also, and we've talked a ton about. You know, Kenny Clark in the middle, and then, you know, Zadarius Smith, uh, Gary, all these guys you can kind of rotate down in the middle or also shoot them outside. They've got so many weird, versatile little pieces that I'm really excited to see uh, Mike Pettin, mad scientist, just go absolutely nuts this year. Like, just the stuff he's going to be able to draw up with the versatile pieces he has, um, it's either going to be amazing or just, like, it's going to be an absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, The potential is definitely there. It's just whether it's executed yeah, for sure. But should well, be a lot gonna, of fun to watch. We're going to end this uh, on, uh, like, do a little golf clap for the Packers GM, Gutekunst, and Russ Ball for negotiating a hell, a hell <laughs> of a contract for Devontae Adams. Because uh, today, Michael Thomas of the Saints, one of their, their top wide receiver, agreed to a five-year, $100 million deal with $61 million being guaranteed, which is the highest – uh, guarantee in NFL history for a non-QB offensive player. Man, and then I, I found this, and you find the players that are ahead of Devontae for like gear, uh, for yearly uh, totals, and he comes in at number 11. That's insane. So the guys ahead of him... Uh, Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Whew. Jarvis Landry's making more money than him. <laughs> AJ Green, who's I feel like a super talented dude, but still has just like the injury bug has been killing him. Yeah. Uh, Mike Evans is on there, and like there's a couple of them that I think are legit better than Devontae, but man, I wouldn't want to be paying some of these guys sixteen, fifteen. $17 million a year. It's insane. Especially so some of those that. names, man, like Payne yeah. Jarvis Landry, like more than Devontae Adams. That's oh, they've got, they, between their two wide receivers, they're paying them $33.1 million. Oh, my god! Between gosh. him and Odell. Jeez. My math's right. Yeah, 33.1. Yeah. $33.1 million for two wide receivers. That's what you could do with the quarterback on a rookie go. contract, I guess. Way to go. Well, I mean, they had everybody on like they had everybody on a rookie contract for a long yeah. time. But yeah, kudos. Kudos to Gudekunst, kudos to uh, Russ Ball for negotiating that and uh even to Devontae for probably taking a little less than he could have if you would have waited. <laughs> Thank you, bud. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh all right, closing notes. You guys got anything? I'm, Not I'm, really. My only thing I really have, um, actually, I got two things. Um, for one, so we're recording on July 31st. It's my youngest brother's 30th birthday today. Um, oh, on the day we are recording. So if you listen to this on Thursday, which a lot of you will be, that was yesterday. And if you listen to this, bud, I'm gonna actually gonna see you today, so it doesn't matter. Um, happy <laughs> birthday. Uh, he's a he's a police officer, and he's amazing. Uh, kind of one of my heroes. So. Uh, Happy birthday to my uh, my youngest brother, now 30, which makes me feel super, super old. Um, my last thing is just one of the other things I want to touch on from today, uh, from practice today, was they said Zadarius Smith won all three of his one-on-one pass rushing drills, which is insane, and also came in super, super quiet, considering the fact, I don't know if you remember this, last year, Kyler Fackrell had been with the Packers for, I think, three years. Last year, Kyler Fackrell won his first one-on-one drill. His 
first one-on-one drill. And you would have thought that, like, that it was the biggest news in the entire... It was this huge, huge deal that Kyler Fackrell won his first one-on-one. Um, Zedaria Smith, three for three today, has been ripping it up and uh, very, very quiet. So I just want to draw attention to the fact Zedaria Smith doing very good things. Didn't he beat Debak too? He did. Like, twice. Uh, I can't remember if it was in the same practice. I do not remember. I just remember it was a big deal that he won one. He was like one for 53 at that point. And Zadarius Smith, three for three. Let's get excited about Zadarius Smith. Woo. That dude could be huge for the defense this year. No, oh, I'm digging it. Sarah, you got anything? No, I'm just super excited with the things that I've seen so far, and I'm pumped to get more content and just see what else is going on the next couple weeks. Awesome. I did want to, before we finish up, just give a shout out to everybody who listens to this show because, uh, you know, last week was our one year anniversary and we did our, uh, our trivia competition and we actually got, I got three winners and everybody replied pretty, pretty quickly to let me know, you know, <laughs> that they accepted everything. And so, but we had over 50 entries uh, for people all answering question, listening. And even one of the guys who ended up winning it's uh, lives out in Alaska and is a teacher there. And so it's just, it's kind of crazy. Just the reach that, that we have and the P and the, the fans that we have, the people that listen to the show, like all said such nice things about all of us and how they love the show. And so it was really cool. Really cool. Thank you guys for all participating and listening and again, continuing to, to support us on here. So I think that will wrap it up for us next week. I believe we will be previewing a preseason game. Ah, we are. And the fun part is, is that I think we actually get to preview every single preseason game because I'm pretty sure they're all Thursdays. I think I think you're right. Yeah, they all are on Thursdays. We will have five straight previews of games going into opening night. Uh, we're, we're missing one, right, Steve? Me and you are, are we? missing one? Oh, oh right. right. Yeah. We, are. Mm-hmm. We, are. we haven't announced that yet, but there'll be a special episode near the end of the month uh, that Dusty and I are taking a week off so we can uh, – you know, recoup, drink some whiskey, do all the good stuff, and let uh, Sarah handle an episode with uh, some other people. Yeah, that's man. Next week, actually talking about preseason football, actually previewing a preseason game. It's actually here. It's happening. It's all happening. And there'll actually be some Madden as well. You know, I think that drops Friday. Even though some people have, I don't know how people get extra copies, but yeah, aren't we big enough where we can get extra copies, Steve? I tried. I tried once. Did you really? I did. It didn't work. <laughs> it was worth a shot, but I mean, we've been trying to get like Oreos and stuff. So strike, <laughs> strike it out all over the place. I'm right now. I'm currently working on Reese's to try to get them put to put something back into production for me, but they're not really having it. What 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 are you trying to put back in production? Did you ever have the Reese's uh, Crunchy Cookie Cup? Yes. Mm-hmm. The one that came in the yellow package. And yeah. it basically had is a Reese's cup, and it had an, basically the Oreo cookie part to it. Yeah, not the not the cream, just one of the cookies inside the chocolate. I loved those things. Those were my favorite. Uh, those were challenging the regular Reese's as my favorite candy, and they just dropped them out of nowhere. And so I sent Reese's a <laughs> direct message. I was like, all right, so like, how many retweets would it take for you guys <laughs> to put this back into production, or at least give make a like have a pallet for me that you could send to me. And they responded saying that they've got like the new one that has the Reese's pieces in it. Not not nearly as good. It's not yeah, the same and I, thing. And I, was like, and I just wrote back. I'm like, you know, I love you guys, and I tried that one, but you know, it's not the same. 
You're like, don't try me with that. Uh, so that's, yeah, a, okay. that's the story of how Steve is blocked by Reese's now. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I haven't fully gone in on him yet, but I'll, I'm sure I'll throw another one because those were like the best ever. I, I kind of forgot about those. Those were really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's my uh, my project for right now is trying to get those back into production. Good luck, brother. Yeah, I, I, you know, I feel like if if I need to start doing that with retweets, I feel I could hang on to the pack at a team and they'll all start retweeting it and we'll we'll get it going. We'll get it yeah. going for sure. So, yeah, the power of the internet. I love it. <laughs> God bless it. All right, guys. Well, I will. We will catch you next week. And uh, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Uh, Dusty will break down his love of fullbacks. Sarah's got some uh, South, some Florida football, right? Like with UCF stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Camp started today, so it's been busy but fun. And I have always just nonsensical things that I put out there. So make sure to follow all of us on Twitter, at Packaday Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. As always, go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.